Hello all, and welcome to Sweating the Small Stuff, the show where we sweat over the details that make our world richer. I'm your personal brain trainer, Cameron Buzar-Jamari, and today we're going to be sweating over senses in sci-fi. So for this week, I thought we could tackle the low-hanging fruit of sight. Sight is a pretty important human sense. From reading, to driving, to flying, to interstellar combat, to defeating Mumra and the Thundercats, sight plays a pretty big role. But have you ever stopped to understand how we see, specifically, how physics plays a very distinct role in limiting what we can see? Now to bring it back to how this is the senses in sci-fi, I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with the movie Ant-Man in which Paul Rudd takes on the incredible journey of becoming the size of an ant. But there is a moment in that movie that really made me think about something that I guess real nerds like to think about, which is, can you see when you become extra super duper tiny? Now for reference, he doesn't just become extra super duper tiny. He shrinks past the size of an atom, past the size of a quark, until he is so incredibly small that the concept of a black hole doesn't even really apply to him. While this is fun for the audience, it opens up an interesting question. What can't we see in these movies? Or should I say, what shouldn't we be able to see in these movies? As I hope I always do, here's some background on how we see. According to the National Eye Institute, and yes, this is a real place, as light bounces off an object, it passes through the cornea, which covers the front of the eye. Then it goes through the iris, which regulates how much light enters the eye, through the lens, which focuses the light onto the retina. On the retina, light is received by photosensitive tissue, where it becomes neurological signals that go to the brain to be processed into images. Now I should mention that the retina has two distinct kinds of nerves that can detect light. There are rods, which are useful in detecting low light and shadows, and there are cones, which are able to detect light in three distinct colors, red, green, and blue. Wrap it all together, and you get a beautiful, colorful visual image that makes up our sight. But there's an important caveat here, which is light bouncing off an object. And you might not believe this, but there's actually a very large spectrum that makes up what light is. So the real kicker isn't how we see light, but what makes up the light that we can see. According to North Carolina State University's Teaching Apparatus Group, there are two parameters of light that make up what we can see. The light's intensity and the wavelength of the particles, or the photons, that make up the light. The intensity is basically how much difference there must be between the light coming from an object and from its surrounding for you to detect it. So for context, on a pitch black dark night, I mean no street lights, no buildings, nothing illuminating anything around you, you can detect a candle, a lit candle, from over several kilometers away. But you obviously can't see that same candle during the day because the sun is so darn bright. The same is true for the stars. They are beautiful, massive burning balls of gas in space but they're not brighter than most street lamps or the sun, so best to do your stargazing far from civilization. The other parameter is wavelength, and this is gonna get a little jargony, so please bear with me. All light is electromagnetic radiation 
of photons of a certain wavelength found on the electromagnetic spectrum. Inside the spectrum is a narrow sliver that makes up visible light, or the light our visual receptors are able to pick up or tuned to pick up. Photons that make up visible light are between infrared light of 700 nanometers in wavelength and ultraviolet light of 400 nanometers wavelength. Any longer or any shorter and our eyes cannot pick them up. For reference, a human hair is on average 17 to 181 micrometers wide. That's 17 to 181 times a thousand times larger than a nanometer of wavelength. And again, the atoms that Mr. Ant-Man was getting smaller than are as tiny as 0.1 to 0.5 nanometers across. The TLDR is light travels as a wave and the distance between the peaks of that wave determine the color and by extension whether or not we can see it. So why mention all this? Because the beauty is that together these two descriptors define the floor of how small something can be for us to still see it. If something is too small for light to hit it consistently, say less than 400 nanometers, then it will be invisible because light would not bounce off of it for us to see. Similarly, if it's big enough for light to bounce off of it, but there's not enough contrast between it and the background, then we won't notice it even if we can technically see it. I'm not the first person to try to figure out what's the smallest thing we can see. The experts at dictionario.org explain that without regular vision, we can see objects as small as about 0.1 millimeters without the help of any tools. No microscopes, no binoculars, no magnifying glasses. And just to be clear, that's 0.1 millimeters in diameter before you go making fun of me for that hair example. Now when we throw in microscopes, we're able to see down to one micrometer but after that, the intensity of light coming off the object becomes too little for us to detect with the hardware available in our eyeballs. Due to a mix of the object's size limiting the amount of light bouncing off of it, mixed with the light from the foreground and background potentially washing out light reflected from that object, is rendered basically invisible. Now anyone who has used a microscope knows that sometimes they include a light that will illuminate the area behind the object, this contrast between the brightness of the background and the shadow cast by the object itself helps to account for some of that difference. At this point, I'm sure you're wondering, why go down this rabbit hole knowing full well that we can see atoms using things like electron microscopes and quarks thanks to things like hadron colliders? Well, it goes back to Mr. Ant-Man. As Mr. Paul Rudd gets small enough, he's just going to stop seeing things altogether. This is true for any of your favorite shrinking and growing superheroes. Remember earlier when I briefly mentioned how the iris regulates how much light enters the eye? Well, this is done to help you see at effectively the same brightness level so you can make out color and detail. But as you shrink, the maximum width that the iris can open also shrinks forever, making everything you see around you dimmer and dimmer until your cones and then your rods are unable to sense light at all. At which point, I guess it would be worth investing in putting some electron microscopes on that helmet of his. There is an argument to be made that the intensity of light coming off microscopic organisms and cells would be enough for him to see them like they might be, I don't know, a couch in a dimly lit room. 
but that's still on the lower bound of things he would be able to see. Any smaller, and his eyes would literally have no means to detect there is anything around him at all. Photons in the visible light spectrum would be missing him or not entering his eye at a high enough level to produce normal or even poor vision. And I want to be clear about just how hard he is not seeing things. It is a completely different kind of experience. Let's say I want to wave at my friend. Obviously, if I'm near them, then they'd see me just fine. But if I'm a few kilometers away, technically the light that lets me see my friend is still hitting my eye, but I won't be able to distinguish them from their surroundings. But in Mr. Lang's case, this is a completely different kind of darkness and not being able to see because he could be closer to his friend than he's ever been before and not see anything at all, basically being blind. Because none of the photons or light particles would be entering his eyes. He wouldn't even see himself because no light would be bouncing off of him. Instead, he would quite literally be in the darkest dark he or anyone could ever imagine. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can find us on Twitter at smallstuffpod or you can message us on Gmail at smallstuffpod at gmail.com. Feel free to leave a comment on how you're liking the show, what we can do different, or any of the small stuff that you like to sweat. And remember, from movies to media to the world around us, it's details like these that make it worth sweating the small stuff.